Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Brother Bowen is uh, from International Partnership Ministries, and um, he's rec recommended to us the Terrans. You remember the lady, Juan and, and Andrea Terran, they had to uh, translate for each other. Uh, Andrea Terran had to translate and a little daughter named Bellin. And then we're going to turn to some scripture here in just a moment, but I want to just introduce our guest speaker. Um, and so they were just at our missions conference, the Terrans were. And Brother Bowen has spent many uh, years of ministry. He's actually uh, personally served the Lord as a missionary since 1973. He's been here before. He's not a stranger to this place and to our ministry. And he served in Norway for 20 years, him and his wife, Cindy. He's been to over 500 different churches and 17 countries, from what I understand. And so he retired of this last year, and then now he's filling pulpits. And so he's going to fill the pulpit this morning and this evening. I pray you'll come back tonight. Trust you will do so. This morning he's speaking from the book of Habakkuk. You know where that is? <laughs> Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3. Would you turn there, please, with me? And uh, may, maybe you're better off to just start at the end of the Old Testament and work your way backwards. I think that might be better to turn back from Malachi and if you need to use the index to the contents in the front, don't be embarrassed to do so. I had to do that myself. No, I'm just joking. But uh, Habakkuk chapter 3 is not a common place we turn to. But I want to read just a few verses that he will be sharing with you this morning. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. And I trust you've found it or will be finding it. All right, Habakkuk. Habakkuk 3 says this, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Shigonoth, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. Thank you, Brother Bowen, for speaking for us today and this morning and this evening, and trust that the Lord will use you at this time. You may be seated, or maybe you stand. I don't know. <laughs> what a privilege to be back here. I have many memories from this church as we over the years would come every year to the East Coast Bible Conference and often bring different nationals from different countries. They always loved it here and being able to hear the very variety of speakers that you had. And um, I was here about three years ago and able to give a testimony. And again, thank you for having the Terrans. You also support Dr. P.D. Cherian in India, South India Baptist Bible College. And I've had the privilege of being there on campus, I think 19 or 20 times and teach world missions there on campus. Um, last year, of course, we had COVID. This year, I was going to do a Zoom class, and half of the kids that came back to school got COVID, so they were on lockdown and have just uh, tried to survive through that. You also have supported now Andre in Ivory Coast. I had the privilege of being in Ivory Coast two or three different times and speaking for their Bible Institute graduation, but uh, Pastor Now passed away about a year and a half ago. He had some bad health, heart problems. And so busy in the ministry, he didn't take care of himself at times. And so that work continues on. They had about 20, 25 churches that they had started. And you also support Raymond Abu Mikhail. Raymond is a church planter in Beirut, Lebanon. He works with two other men, Fatima Louf and um, uh, 
Haitham Nazir Nuri, and God has continued to bless them in that country in spite of all the terrible things that have happened with the, the political situation and the electricity and all the various things. People are still being saved, and God is taking care of those precious ones. Thank you for your support. Uh, tonight I may be able to have part of a PowerPoint to thank you even more and share some things about that. The Lord is taking care of um, myself as we've traveled over uh, these many years in missions and given us the joy of the Lord in serving Him. It's an honor to be here um, considering all the people who stood in this pulpit and shared the Word of God with you. Let's pray. Father, this is your word, your holy word, and I pray that you'll speak to my heart in this time in which we live, in our nation, in our world, and for the coming of Christ. Prepare our hearts to meet you, Father. Speak to us through thy word, O Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Many of our Christmas songs have to do with, O come, let us adore him. This thing of coming into the presence of the Lord and um, I pray that this message, the joy of sowing revival, will touch your hearts. Keep your Bibles open there in Habakkuk. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, weep, Habakkuk. Um, we used to learn that in youth camp, right, where the books of the Bible were. Habakkuk, the third chapter. Let's read those two verses again. This is a prayer that this prophet, and I was reading in Peter the other morning, and Peter says this, listen to the prophets. Now, he's called a minor prophet because Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel are such large books against the other guys that wrote smaller books that were called minor, not because they were less authoritarian uh, with God's power upon them, moving in the Holy Spirit. But here's a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon some instrument, I guess. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord... Revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk writes to the backslidden Israelites before the Babylonian captivity of 586 B.C. The people of Israel had chosen rebellion, disobedience, and idolatry. And so God's judgment was coming even at the hands of of those that were more wicked than them, and they could not understand this. Chapter 1, verse 13, Habakkuk learned to pray in this situation. In the first chapter, notice in verse 2, how long shall I cry? Maybe you have experienced that in your own prayer life. Lord, how long do I have to pray these prayers, not only for myself, but for others? And thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, wilt thou not save. This prophet learned about God's sovereignty in the midst of our situation in America, in our world, at this time before the Lord's coming. We need to learn about God, who He is, His character, His power, and His glory. That'll give us the best perspective uh, 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 of living here in this world. Habakkuk desired to hear from God and so that's what he talks about in the second chapter. Notice the second chapter in verse 1. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. I will watch to see what he will say to me. That's a good encouragement for our devotional life, isn't it? I meet with God, 
in a time of seclusion and aloneness to listen to what God wants to speak to me. I've heard people say, God is speaking. The question is, are you listening? And so here was a prophet. He wanted to hear from God. I will watch to see what you will say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Um, And then in the fourth verse of chapter 2, he says this, the just shall live by faith. Hey, that's the answer for us too in our world. Get to know God, listen to him, pray, walk by faith. And that's exactly what this man did. This must be the recipe then for revival. He desired more. Habakkuk desired more than just survival. He wanted true revival. Notice the last verses of chapter 3. Turn over to the last verses of chapter 3. He sums up the situation of their day. It didn't sound very good for an agricultural community. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be on the vines, the labor of the olive tree will fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the foal, and there shall be no herd in the stall. Wow. Doesn't sound too good for a farmer, does it? Now notice his response in the midst of these calamities, this situation, the place that God had him in this world, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Hey, that helped us as we enter the season of Christmas, huh? I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Huh? Having joy in fellowship with our God. Listen to what he has to say and enjoy and delight in him. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet. I think there was a devotion book many years ago regarding that. And it'll make me to walk upon my high places. That sounds like happiness and joy. God wants to change us. God wants to bring revival in our hearts. And so here is Habakkuk praying Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Thank God for the testimony of this church. You've been faithful for many, 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 many years. God reward you. What an encouragement to me to come back and see so many people here this morning. May God continue to touch the lives of people. But what happens when people meet God? What happens when people really meet God? Oh, we could read about Moses. When he came down from the mount, his face glowed. I don't know if you've ever met anyone like that when they finish their devotions, that there's just a light shining out of their face. Probably not. But Moses eventually had to hide his face because that glory departed. Peter knew what it meant to meet with God on the Mount of Transfiguration. And wow, the transforming of Christ, the Son of God in that midst. And yet Peter goes away and denies that he even knows the Lord. And so even in that encounter of God's glory, He forfeits that fellowship, that relationship, and says, I don't even know him. Denies the Lord three times. How about you and I? Uh, In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you diligently Seek the Lord. Does God reward those who diligently seek him? Have you experienced that in your own life? Another question, are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for entertainment? Are you hungry for the things of the world? But do you have a hunger for God? Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
We used to sing a song, fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Huh? That's that idea, wasn't it? James 4, 8 promises us this, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? You know that the word revival is not in our King James Bibles. When I first saw that, I thought, can that be true? So I got one of the big uh, dictionaries, uh, Strong's, and looked it up. Nope, it's not there. The word revival is not in the King James Bible. It may be in some of the newer translations, but the word revive is there. It's listed about eight times. That's not very many, it seems. But that has the idea from the Hebrew to quicken and uh, to recover, to repair, to restore, and to be whole. It's not just a Coca-Cola that makes you alive, huh? Uh, or a Red Bull or whatever it is as you get more energy. Uh, quicken us, make us alive. I was reading through Psalm 119 recently, and I, I was noticing that there, they were using the Hebrew, Hebrew translation, quicken me, quicken me, make me alive. I don't know about you, but I need that quickening in my own life. A cup of coffee won't do it. I need to have some time with the Lord in the midst of all the things that face us in, in, in our lives. Psalm 119 verse 88 says, quicken me after thy loving kindness. And certainly we need that. David wrote also in Psalm 85, verse 6, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Lord, revive us. Why? So that we may rejoice in the Lord. We get too self-centered, don't we? We get taken up with the things of the world, the problems and the circumstances and, and the puny attitudes that we have many times. And so David just prays, Lord, make me alive. Revive me so that I may rejoice in you, that I may be a happy Christian, so to speak. And that would change your life and my life if we did move from that just that survival mode to revival. Some people have asked the question, though, where does revival come from? Some have said this, well, revival cannot be worked up or prayed down. Maybe you've heard this refrain in church. I'll be glad when we get back to normal. Maybe we've, you've heard that here after COVID. I'll be glad when we get back to normal. God forbid that we just get back to the normal, huh? I hope you desire more. God delivered us from the mundane, normal mediocrity of our lives. God has more to give. I always like that story in Acts 3 when the guy hadn't been able to walk in years and, and Peter and James uh, approach him and they said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we'll give to you. What do you want? <laughs> he just wanted some coins. <laughs> God had much more to give than just a few coins, right? He jumped and leapt, and he was rejoicing in the things of the Lord. Is revival a work of man? Is it worked up by man? I've been in churches in independent Baptist circles for 50, 60 years since a teenager, especially in Tennessee and around, and we had revivals there. A revival came on Sunday and stopped on Wednesday, right? Sad, sad, sad. <laughs> or it started on Wednesday and ended on Sunday, whatever. Sad thing was that it ended. That was kind of the mindset. Revival's over and we just go back to beep, normal. But the history of revivals teach us that God often has brought revival upon a prepared people. God has brought revival, a time of refreshing, upon a prepared people how are they prepared? They were praying people 
And they were seeking people, seeking God. They sowed the seeds of revival. They put their hearts in the right place so that in God's sovereign time schedule, God would bring refreshing. God would bring revival. It's not planned from August uh, 8 through 12. It's in his time. And we want to be prepared. Uh, As I taught world missions in India and around the world in different Bible institutes that we have with International Partnership Ministries, I've often shared these facts with the students as we have that course, some 30 hours of missions, that God began to work in the hearts of Lutherans that were in Germany in 1705, and out of that came the Pietist movement. These people wanted more than what their Lutheran church gave them. They had the orthodoxy, they had the ceremonies, and they had the candles, and they had everything else, but they didn't have God. And so three things changed that part of Germany, and missionaries began to go out. Number one was they went back to the Scriptures. Let's gather together in small groups and read the Word of God. Wow, you think, well, that's a big thing there. Just, they were going to read the Word of God. Secondly, they were going to pray together. And thirdly, they were going to give testimony that I am born again because many people did not have that assurance. They were just Christians because they were baptized as a child or whatever, and they had never come to a point in their lives that they had trusted Christ as their Savior. 1780, God raised up the Moravian Missionary Movement, came into Pennsylvania and areas around here. They sent out more missionaries in 100 years than all the Protestants had done in the previous 200 years. The same pietist emphasis back to the Word of God and back to praying and back to knowing that Christ is your Savior and sharing that with others. From that influence came the first and second great awakenings here in America and in England, 1730s to 1760s. And that included such men as John and Charles Wesley and George Whitfield, later Jonathan Edwards. And see, it's a ripple effect. Once God's people got a hold of God and revival and knowing God and walking with God, God began to change things. What would happen in our churches if we went back to those things and sought God? True revival stimulated holiness, outreach at home and abroad, and it can't happen again. Some people say, no, 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 revival can never happen. Everything's going downhill. The Lord's about to come this afternoon. Maybe so. I still want to walk with God until he does come, right? Occupy till I come. What characterizes true spiritual revival? What characterizes true spiritual revival? One author, J.I. Packer, said it this way. Revival is an extraordinary work of God the Holy Spirit reinvigorating and propagating Christian holiness in the community. Reinvigorating. That's a nice word, isn't it? Reinvigorating. That's like getting your battery charged up again, right? It marks the abrupt reversal of an established trend and state of things among those who profess to be God's people. Revival means renewal of life. I don't know about you, but I I want that for myself. I'm tired of the mundane. I'm tired of the normal. Revival means renewal of life, and, and life means energy. Not that we have to be the energizer bunny, but it wouldn't hurt if some of us had a little bit of zip, huh? Revival itself, he goes on to say, is, is a purging. It is a purifying work of God. And I've been part of revival services where the altar would be filled. People would be confessing their sins. They would be apologizing to each other. And God would do a work in the hearts of God's people. And sometimes it would seem that the evangelists 
was getting God's people right with God, and then later on, lost people became um, candidates for salvation and grace. God had to do a work in his own people. That's still true, isn't it? It is in my own life. Revival is a real and a glorious work of God in blessing, much to be desired when the church's vitality is low. We need to check our blood pressure, don't we? Hosea, another minor prophet, said this, Sow to yourselves in righteousness and, and reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. And some of you guys that are farmers, you know all about that. It's time to seek the Lord, Hosea says, till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. And you have eaten the fruit of lies because you did trust in your way and in the multitude of thy mighty men. Fallow ground. What in the world is fallow ground? I'm not a farmer, so I had to look it up. It's actually idle or unplowed ground, hardened. And sin does that in our lives, doesn't it? Sin hardens us to God. It brings complacency. It brings a life in the mundane, it, routine inactivity and even boredom. We clock in to church and we clock out and we live like not the Lord the rest of the week, huh? We've done our hour. There's little life. Uh, inwardly speaking, we're only going through the motions of a heartless religion. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a heartless religion. I just don't want to show up and sing the songs and listen to the preacher and go back home and everything will still be normal. God, break up the fallow ground of my soul. Old-time preacher, a Puritan, wrote it this way. The true Christian needs to increase his godliness in all company and in the whole course of his life. Every day he should be careful to keep his soul clean and his conscience clear. The hours of praying and reading and hearing are the saints' opportunities and seasons of grace. I like that expression. Seasons of grace. Oh, God, I need your grace in my life, and I'm going to spend some time with you if he is not careful and conscientious to plow up the fallow ground of his heart, he says, and sow to the Spirit, his return will be very inconsiderable and a thin crop. Pastor, I've always enjoyed reading books by A.W. Tozer. He said this, Is it not true that for most of us who call ourselves Christians, there is no real experience? We have substituted theological ideas for an arresting encounter. We're full of religious notions. But our great weakness is that for our hearts, there's no one there. That sounds like dead religion, doesn't it? Whatever else it embraces, true Christian experience, he says, must always include a genuine encounter with God. Well, they say, well, that's a little bit emotional. I don't know if I want to encounter God. Why not? Give it a try. It might be exciting. It might change your life. <laughs> it's that simple, opening the Word of God in prayer and saying, Dear God, I want to meet with you today. I want you to change my life. Without this, he says, religion is but a shadow, a reflection of reality, a cheap copy of an original once enjoyed by someone else <laughs> of whom we've heard. It cannot be but a major tragedy in the life of any man or woman to live in a church from childhood to old age and know nothing more real 
than some synthetic God compounded of theology and logic, but having no eyes to see, no ears to hear, and no heart to love. Wow. David prayed, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Contrite is used five times in the Old Testament. It has the idea of feeling or expressing remorse or penance affected by guilt. Remor uh, contrite. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and save as such that be of a contrite spirit. Jeremiah exhorts us in the fourth chapter, verse 3, Break up your fallow ground, <laughs> and sow not among thorns. Isaiah compliments that and says, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and a holy place with him that is also of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the spirit of the contrites. So there we see God's desire to touch and change us and to revive us and to encourage us if we come with a contrite heart, a humble heart, but pride hinders that, doesn't it? I don't really need God. I can solve this by myself. I can do this myself. I do John Wayne. I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps, and I'm a self-made man until it gets so unbearable that we cry out to God. Isaiah said it this way in 66, 2. To this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit that trembles at my word. Have you ever read the Word of God? I have. I try to read through the Bible every year. But sometimes I just read it and close it and check off. I've done my three chapters or four chapters. When have we read it and trembled at God's Word and allowed God to speak to us and we realize that what we've just read, well, God needs to do some work in my life. And we yield ourselves. That becomes a personal revival. And it can happen in every day. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, They'll see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Here's some disciplines for those seeking God and revival. First of all, examine your life. Examine your life. That happened in the pietist movement. People were asked the question, are you born again? And for some, maybe that was offensive. Well, I've always been here. I've been a member of the church for 500 years or whatever, no, do you know the Lord is your Savior? Are you born again? And Paul exhorts the Corinthian Christians, <coughs> examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. We can check our spiritual pulse. Am I born again? Yes, I know that Christ is my Savior. I remember that time and place when I turned to Christ and repented of my sins and Christ came into my life. The Holy Spirit indwells me. And so Jesus would ask Nicodemus, are you born again? You must be born again, Nicodemus. Jesus would say, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. It was noticed in the history of a revival in China in the 1930s that this came about because of the influence again on prayer and repentance. People turned from their sins and they turned to Christ. And many were born again who had never professed faith 
in Christ. When we were missionaries in Norway, the question was, are you a Christian? And people could say, oh, everyone in Norway is a Christian. Everyone here is Christian because we're all baptized as babies. But if you ask a more personal question, but do you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then they would back away and say, hmm, no. But see, that was they distorted the, the definition of what a Christian is. Another word that's used in relation to backsliding is, is backsliding. I thought it was a profession, profession when I was growing up as a teenager. We heard so much about it during revival services. Hosea says, are my people bent on backsliding? Backsliding. Have you heard that word recently? We don't use it much, do we? Backsliding. Hosea says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. Jeremiah says, why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? It's actually used 16 times in the Bible, backsliding. It's mostly used by Jeremiah. And he was the prophet to Israel that were disobedient to God. And backsliding has this idea that I'm going to turn away. I'm going to move back to some previous place or status. And for some, it may be that they never knew Christ as Savior at all to apostasy. In Jeremiah's book, he gives God's message to a people of great privilege. They fell away from God. They adopted the local ungodly culture. They adopted idolatry. They forsook the true and the living God in their hearts. And yet they held to religious ceremonies and traditions. Interesting reading those prophets. And God eventually says, look, I'm tired of your sacrifices. I'm tired of your religious mucky muck, your services, all your offerings. I'm even tired of your music. You can read that in one of the prophets. Because it was empty. Sad to say that 30 years after Paul had started the church of Ephesus and people were saved, Timothy had pastored the church. When John, the apostle, writes to the church at Ephesus, some 30 years later, he has to write about the church at Ephesus that you have left your first love. Oh, wow, what a good beginning. In the midst of the years, Lord, help us, revive us. He wrote to the Laodicean Christians, I wish you were either cold or hot, but you're just lukewarm. A.W. Tozer said it this way, even the regenerated soul may sometimes suffer from the feeling that God is far away from him. You ever felt that way? Lord, where are you? I need you. And Tozer said it this way, put the evil from you, believe, and the sense of nearness will be restored. Forsake sin and believe God. That's a sense of revival, isn't it? And that sense of nearness will be restored God was never away in the first place, he says. God's never far away. He's there. It's that we have that reviving that we need in our own hearts. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then I can call upon him. I can draw near to him. He's going to draw near to me. Wow. God wants to plant his word in your heart, in my heart this coming year. God wants us to bring forth a harvest of righteous fruit. And David prays, turn us again, O God. Cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. We want your blessings. We want your favor. We want the smile of Almighty God. 
after the Babylonian captivity of the 6th century B.C., some of the Jews returned to Israel, and we can read historically about that in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. I found a verse that was so precious in Ezra, Ezra 9, verse 8. You might mark that down and read it later. But here they were. They were, recom- they were coming back to the land. There was a sense of repentance and, and, and from a terrible backsliding away from God. And Ezra says this, Now for a little space, grace has been showed. Wow. Now for a little space, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place and that our God might lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Wow. We need that in America. God has given us a little space of grace before he's coming. Lord, get us right with you. Judgment begins at the house of God. Secondly, trust God for change in your life. Trust God for change in your life. We should desire to be changed into his image. I told someone recently, God is still working on me. And I just turned 72. He's not finished with me yet. I am not perfect. I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. I need his forgiveness. I need his help. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, but we all with open face, we behold as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, we are changed. We see his glory. We see his majesty. We see his perfectness. We see our sinfulness. And we cry out, God, change me. God, change me. You're my only hope. We're changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. One pastor said it this way, God's ultimate goal in salvation is that believers become conformed to the image of Christ. The ultimate goal in salvation is that believers become conformed to the image of his Son. How much like Jesus are you? That goal is accomplished in believers' lives as they gaze steadily into the face of Jesus Christ. Revealed in the scriptures. When they do so, the Lord of the Spirit changes them into Christ's image. We are his workmanship, Paul says. It's like looking into a mirror and we see the change that needs to take place. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Trust God for change in your life and surrender your life. Surrender your life. We know the verses from Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We have the challenge that the Lord has given to us. If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. We have the challenge that Jesus said about a corn of wheat. It falls into the ground and it has to die. Uh, It abides alone, but if it die, it brings forth fruit. When I was at Tennessee Temple, Dr. Lee Robertson often spoke about death to self. One of the hardest things in your own Christian life, to die to self and to live in his power and glory. And then discipline your life to follow God. This is December the 5th. Start thinking about what kind of Bible reading plan you're going to do at the beginning of the year. I always do. 
You're going to read three chapters a day or four. I've been reading four in the last few years. I enjoy reading devotion books. Uh, sometimes a devotion book will kind of like prime the pump. <laughs> It'll say something that I wouldn't have read somewhere else. And some man of God or some lady that has written devotion books. Over the years, I have read many, many of these different devotion books just to stir my heart for God and his word. I've learned to use prayer lists to pray for people. And I've been praying for your former pastor and this church many times daily for God's blessing. Allow the Holy Spirit to control your life. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Isaiah 30, verse 23 says it this way. Then shall he give the rain of thy seed, that thou shalt sow the ground withal, and bread of increase of the earth, it shall be fat and plenteous. God wants to shower upon us. We sing that song, Showers of Blessings, sometimes, don't we? And so I stand, Father, in a very parched land, and a parched soul sometimes, and I need you. I think God smiles when we get to that place in our lives with contriteness and brokenness. And we seek to draw nigh to God. That's revival. God changes us into his image. Lastly, enjoy your life. Enjoy your life as you delight yourself in God. People used to say that fundamentalists were people that sucked on pickles all the time. Sourpusses. <laughs> no, thank the Lord. I was in a Sunday school class this morning, and what joy was there. People talking and getting along and sharing in the things of the Lord. And then we had a wonderful teacher that taught us about anger. And I needed that. And Jesus challenges us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's a pretty good admonition in the Christmas season, isn't it? Billions and billions and billions of dollars has been spent on the internet for gifts. Is that going to bring true happiness? I don't think so, because they'll have to have it again next year, right? <laughs> Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, the blessings that God gives us shall be added unto you. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, <clears throat> done by the Presbyterians, states it this way, man's chief end is to glorify God. Man's chief end is to glorify God and then get the rest of the sentence and to enjoy him. Do enjoy God. Do enjoy meeting the Lord, praying, seeking his face every day. I hope you do. Many of you are seasoned saints. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Thank you, Lord. Enjoy him forever. No wonder David would say, delight thyself also in the Lord and he'll give thee the desires of your heart. Commit thy way into the Lord. Trust also in him, and he'll bring it to pass. One of my most favorite writers has been Warren Wiersbe, who recently passed away. He said that he had a plaque in his office written by A.W. Tozer, a quote from A.W. Tozer, and it said this, to know God is at once the easiest and... <laughs> The most difficult thing in the world. Interesting, huh? Had that in his office. To know God is at once the easiest and the most difficult thing in the world. You can't hide with God. You can't fake it. 
till you make it with God. He knows you. He knows me. Thank God for that. And he still loves me. That's the most amazing thing, isn't it? Wearsby went on to comment, God certainly has the ability to reveal himself to us, for he can do anything. But it's a, it's a problem for God to find somebody who is ready to meet him. Oh, that's interesting. It's about revival. God's looking for someone who is ready to meet him. Are you ready to meet God? God doesn't reveal himself to superficial saints. Saints who are only looking for a new experience they can brag about or to curious Christians who want a sample deeper fellowship with God but at not too great a price. We are the ones who make it difficult to get to know God better. <laughs> we are the ones who make it difficult to get to know God better. Preparing this message, I came across a verse I was reading in Job. I, I thought, man, I've read the Bible through so many times, but I had never seen this verse before. Write it down, go home and look it up and study it. Job said this, good old Job, you know his situation about knowing God. Job 22, verse 21 and verse 27. Job said this, Acquaint thou thyself with God and be at peace. Ooh, I like that. I need peace. How about you? Thereby good shall come unto you. Well, I, I need good too also. For then thou shalt have thy delight in the Almighty. There's those thoughts again about enjoying God, isn't it? And shall lift up thy face unto God. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee. Wow, there's some powerful truths in that. That'd be a good sermon, Pastor. Father, would you apply your word to my heart and the hearts of my brothers and sisters? We stand before an awesome, challenging world with so many needs and so many lost people, some Three billion people or more that have never, ever heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Lord, revive thy people in the midst of these years. Revive our souls, I pray, Lord Jesus. Speak to our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.